Hello, my name is Kelly Bramblett and I am passionate about helping others live a high vibe lifestyle so that they're able to feel their absolute best. I am a self-help author as well as a certified general life coach and law of attraction practitioner. I specialize in both trauma recovery and mindset coaching. You can learn more about my work and my weekly blog by visiting my website at www.kellybramblett.com or to make it easier, just my first and last name.com. I am so happy you've joined me here today for this high vibe podcast episode. So if you're ready, let's go ahead and dive in. Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's High Vibe podcast episode. I'm really excited to welcome my guest Hannah Wallace to the show today. So I've actually had the honor of being on Hannah's podcast, Finding Grace, as a guest, and I absolutely loved our chat. So I'm really looking forward to doing it all over again, roles reversed today. So Hannah is a speaker, priestess, mentor, healer, disabled model, and writer. She's the host of the podcast, Finding Grace, where she interviews interviews people on their journey to finding grace. Hannah helps guide people to find grace in their lives, whatever space they are in, to help empower and shift them to make positive healing and sustainable changes in their lives and helps them integrate their darkness and light. So I'm, like I said, really stoked to have Hannah here. I am going to take a quick break and then I will be right back to welcome her on. So welcome to the show, Hannah, and I just want to thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, it's so good to be here, Kelly. So good to be on the other side of the microphone (laughs) this time. Oh, I know. I love that too. So the first question I have for you, which as soon as I ask, you're going to know right away why this, I had to ask this as my first question, but I would like to know what does finding grace mean to you? Oh my God, take it. Uh, that is bloody brilliant, Kelly. I'm not going to lie, talk about clap back. <laughs> so finding grace means I absolutely love that. That is fantastic. And I've done, like, just to say, I've done a lot of podcasts and no one's ever asked me that. I mean, I did actually answer it on my own podcast recently. You should have a listen to the episode because it's honestly like 20 minutes. Um, So for me, finding grace means, for me, it's, it was finding peace, being able to know that within the darkness, I could find the light and I could integrate it in that space and that there was grace available to me, you know, no matter what was going on. And when I realized that I could find that there, that really shifted things for me because I was able to integrate, integrate that in my life. And it was able to be like a guiding light in my life. And yeah, since when I started to really lean into that, I would say things really changed for me because it shifted my perspective and it allowed me to, yeah, to find grace. And I think it, it what it, it did for me on a, on a kind of more expansive scale was be able to find grace beyond what was currently going on with me, but in other areas of my life as well and realize that it wasn't just it within the kind of current situation of what I was feeling at the time, but other areas I knew that I could lean into that idea and that there was grace to be found no matter how difficult it seemed there was hope 
Oh, I love that. Thank That's beautiful. Thank you so much for asking me. <laughs> I had to. I had to. And for those who are listening, you might be wondering why I'm like, I had to. But Hannah has her own podcast, like I discussed in um, in the intro. And that is the first question that she asks all of her guests. So I just kind of wanted to ask her that and open up with us. Can you share with us some of your own personal traumas and how you've had to face these with grace to overcome them? So first backwards, when I was 17, um, I overnight, my life changed um, from being a fairly wild child teenager, doing everything from the fun, but also like, you know, doing quite well in life. You know, I was a grade eight musician, like, you know, I was I was busy as how having fun. I was also busy <laughs> in all areas of my life. And overnight, I became very, very unwell. And when I mean unwell, we're talking bed bound for for months, uh, you know, um, to the point where, I, you know, I was struggling to digest food, I was, you know, seriously underweight. Um, and at the time, I was just diagnosed with a very, very severe form of glandular fever that basically unusually in the US just for your listeners, because they may be mononucleosis, but basically attacked my organs. Um, and so it was like really extreme. And even the doctors didn't, they were like, you know, this is like terrible. We don't, we don't even know how to like help you. You're just going to have to wait till it kind of moves. Um, so when I started to get a bit better, I started to do like alternative stuff to get like, just to get me back on my feet. Like, you know, it, we're literally talking like when I first was able to get out the door, it was a case of my mum like taking me in the car to the petrol station and back. That was literally all I could. Um, and, you know, building me up and then getting me to these sessions and that, you know, I still wasn't feeling right. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I was told it was post viral fatigue. And then I plunged into depression. And I think it's perfectly normal to have gone through an experience where essentially I changed as a person as you can imagine Kelly it mm -hmm. was like in you know for my friends who grew up with me and you know thank you universe some of those people stood by my side through all of this and loved me when I couldn't love myself and it, you know it was like they lost their friend I might as well have died because I was this totally different person and you know I couldn't keep up with them and then eventually they diagnosed me at the time with like chronic fatigue which led to them saying it's fibromyalgia but I knew that something wasn't right but at the same time I just knew I had to navigate this situation I was in uh, you know it led to my friends going off to university and me basically never re really recovering you know just about functioning and you know for a few years still not being able to digest food properly um, and, you know, seeking out um, all these alternative therapies and really plateauing on, on a lot of things, no matter what I was trying. Um, and eventually I made a pact to myself to basically, okay, if I can't control what's going on in my body, the one thing I can take control of is my mind because I was, I was navigating depression by this point. And I think in the words of my doctor, it would actually have been abnormal if I wasn't, as you can imagine, because it was like a grief process. I was grieving lost dreams, hope, you know, like I, I had a lot. I was just at home with my mum. I couldn't go out dancing with my friends anymore. I could, you know, I could literally manage to meet somebody for a coffee and that was it. Um, So it was it was like very drastic. You know, I was this amazing pianist and I could literally play a few minutes on the piano and I was done in type of thing. Mm. As the years progressed, 
you know, I, I managed to get my mind un, in check because that was like the deal that I'd made. I was like, okay, like at least if I can get my head in the right place, it's going to allow me to be able to deal with this situation. So I continued on this alternative therapy path, continued to like do, you know, various, you know, psychological stuff as well to like keep me filled up. And then about nine and a half years in, I had always known something wasn't quite right. But I don't know, Kelly, like <laughs> trauma, as you know, there's a very fine line. Trauma gets merged with so much between what's real and what's not. So sometimes I'd even question myself. I'd be like, maybe, you know, I just need to keep doing this like head stuff and, you know, to keep everything in check. But I knew deep down something wasn't right. And I was in a, quite a lot of pain by this point. And even all the physio I was trying, nothing was really hitting the spot. Till a friend of mine said to me, look, these problems you're having with your heart, like you need to see a doctor. And I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't want to look like a hypochondriac. And you know, when you've got a history of anxiety, and I said, probably is just anxiety. I said, look what I'm dealing with, you know? And he was like, no, no, this is not anxiety, Hannah. Like, this is, you know, he said, in fact, he said, I think you're just traumatized by, you know, as you can imagine, I'd, I've come across doctors by this point, I've come across amazing ones, but also ones that kind of put you down, leaving you with medical trauma, which is, which is a thing. Um, so in the end, I, I agreed with my friend and I said, well, how do I go about this? And he said, look, do this, take this evidence to your doctor and take it from there. So I luckily had actually this really good doctor for, for the whole time as my GP, not the consultants and stuff that I was, you know, sent to every now and then. I took all this in and she sat there and Googled it and she said, I think your friend's right. And this was with something called POTS. And she said, I, I don't even know what to say to you because if if he's right, it means this is really bad what's happened. And I was like, look, at the end of the day, I didn't even really know about this whole thing until about a year ago. So it's it's nobody's fault. You know, it's it is what it is. So I go to the hospital because they speed me through quick out of guilt, which are different to your American service. Like over here, it's usually like long waiting lists for like ever. Because of the situation here, it was it was a cluster is an urgent thing. So they they put me through the system very quickly and I had the tests and the tests came back undeniably that I had this issue. And it was very extreme, really, the tests that uh, how, how my body reacted very quickly and they were like what the heck you know like how have you even been functioning you know my heart rate had been basically about 110 120 for years just constantly yeah you know, I felt like I was on overload all the time but I was just always blaming other things so by the time I got to this another consultant who I you know, we, we love a bit of manifestation, Kelly, I genuinely wrote a letter to the universe when I knew I had to see a consultant and prayed for somebody who was going to serve my highest good. And the universe did deliver. Thank you to this day. And when I went in there and he sat down and I went through 10 years of everything and that was quite traumatizing, really having to, I mean, bit by bit, you know, segment that down and he sat there and looked through everything and said, they've made a mistake. You didn't have, you know, you have what, what these tests have been for, but he said that's secondary. You actually have what I believe is a genetic condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And he said, I'm pretty sure about this. I'm going to get you through the right channels to get this officially diagnosed. And 
you know, we're going to have to deal with this on a physical and probably a mental level because they even when they're um, dealing with stuff like that, they actually send you to genetic counselors before you actually see a geneticist to like mentally prepare you, hmm. um, which is probably quite good. But thankfully, with all the kind of work that I had done, I think there was a level of acceptance anyway, and also probably a sense of relief for me, if I'm honest with you, because it was like, oh my God, like I knew something wasn't quite right. And, you know, it was interesting what unfolded then. Obviously this this did get diagnosed, but we, my mum and I randomly came into contact with some other family members in a changing room of all things. And this family member shared the story of her daughter who'd had my journey. Mm. And it turns out she was carrying this as well. And my mum and sister both carry it, but they, it's not, they're not affected by it. It's not switched on, so to speak. Um, so by this point, when I, you know, left this uh, genetics, I had to kind of go back to the drawing board, kind of reassess how I kind of viewed my life now, recognize that um, quite a lot of damage had been done to my body by this point, because I, just because no, you know, truth is nobody knew. Mm -hmm. So there were things I was doing that, that weren't very proactive. And by this point, all my joints were dislocating and, you know, crazy things happening. So it's been a case since then of recognizing that this is a situation, but I can learn to thrive within the situation to, to the what's best, not, not in a, bypassing way but learning to kind of navigate this and recognizing it is what it is um and I can find ways to live within the space of it so it's it's it it's been interesting <laughs> to say the least so it took nine years to well 10 years in total by the time I walked out of the that was like accurate wow that is pretty that is quite a long time but like you said it must have somewhat been a relief because at least now you had like an answer like something rather than just this unknown so how has this experience impacted the work that you do now helping other women in the work that you do I think what it's done is it's made me have enough compassion to help people recognize not to bypass what they're going through because I believe that's really important but how they can learn to live within the best space of it it's 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 also made me realize the importance of really getting underneath things as well because I think very often when we go through experiences especially if we've entered into the kind of wellness industry to help ourselves which you know as we know many many people do there's 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 a lot of um there's also an element of toxic positivity and all of this that that goes around that as well as the good stuff there's all that other side of things as well so through what I like to think what I do through through my message through my work is to help people navigate their way through that and also find ways to manage themselves and meet themselves where they're at because what I believe is this as soon as we get our bodies and our mind to a place of equilibrium and our own center I believe that's when we recreate space to actually be able to heal trauma be able to you know you know reprogram ourselves um deal with things in the past and do it from a place where there is that more equilibrium and balance where there's a level of grace to be able to create those foundations mm -hmm. so that it's not just safe but it's actually it can become an expansive container beyond 
the you know beyond even the healing so that so I think it's impacted me in a way especially because I you know tried so many things on a kind of physical metaphysical healing level to a you know psychological level you know I was desperate I, I spent thousands and this is back you know 20 years ago beginning thousands and thousands of pounds and I also had experiences because I was very young and I looked very young as well and I was very vulnerable as well and I often was met with um say I tried something and it didn't work there were times when I was met with that it it was indicated that maybe I wasn't trying hard enough maybe mm -hmm. I you know rather than actually somebody which thankfully I did come across some amazing people that were like it's nothing to do sometimes things just don't aren't the right thing for you at this time and so I think it's really made me aware that if someone is indicating that something isn't right for them to actually listen to that and help them find the things that are going to be right for them and also for people to not beat themselves up have compassion with themselves and also realize that you don't want to get into I need to you know like and you'd probably relate to this yourself, Kelly, the over fixing thing. Like, you know how we almost become obsessed with fixing ourselves mm -hmm. because we believe we're broken. And I do strongly believe, yes, we need to have awareness. Yes, we need to take responsibility. And yes, we need to do elements of the inner work, but we also need to live and we need to have joy and we need to make sure that we are not just living for this elusive healing, this elusive fixing, we actually have a life beyond that. And actually, you know, learning to have a life in the kind of mess as well, because, you know, it can be a very unhappy, lonely place else you end up on this cycle. And, you know, you're questioning yourself. And so yeah, through my work, I want, I, you know, I like to be able to guide people to see beyond maybe the kind of fixed space that they're in to actually help them move past that and and find what's going to work for them and also find grace with the space they're in because you know we sometimes I you know as we know things can shift and change but sometimes by finding a level of acceptance from the space we're in it actually allows people to take that deep breath it allows people to create that space which ironically more than often than not actually helps people move forward healing mm -hmm. um and I know for me that was really fundamental when I actually took that deep breath and sat back and chose differently um it changed my life you know and it allowed me to do things from a place of alignment do things from flow rather than this um obsession to to get this thing that I believed I was I believed I wasn't really I guess a fully human person like a proper person because I was this broken ill person wow I think what you said too earlier about some of the false positivity especially when it comes to dealing with like physical health issues within the law of attraction community can be really almost like shame inducing because there's oh almost this idea like if your vibration was high enough then this wouldn't be happening and I think we tend to forget like things like soul contracts that we come into this world you know with a purpose for learning certain things and I yeah. think sometimes when we're talking about law of attraction 
it, it really goes untalked about that like sometimes we're meant to experience this trauma and it has nothing to do with our vibration or that we're not you know thinking positively enough it's has to do with we came here to learn that lesson and so that's just the way it's going to be mm, absolutely I mean you know like I um felt shame there's no question about it and for a long time I kind of had shall we say knowledge skills and knew that I was a I could go out there and and talk and I was going to a lot of Hay House events and I knew quite a lot of the people there and you know there was this barrier for me because a I wasn't seeing anyone like me on stages in a wheelchair but I also felt this like I hadn't done enough that I must have been doing something wrong and even though I'd done all that work that 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 narrative was so mm. deep you know I was the generation like probably like you were the well for me especially like I pretty much read the secret you know the few weeks when it had come out watched it and you know it, it was it, it was really fundamental for me to actually come to that place of this isn't me doing something wrong mm -hmm. and you know I can still be a high which I hate I can still be <laughs> a high vibe person <laughs> and I mean you know full of light and blah 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 and uh, you know I'm in I'm in this space and I can still stand on a stage and guide people and actually help people. And I think what I started to realize when friends around me and other people were like, you really help people. Why are you not doing this? And I'm really grateful to actually Rebecca Campbell, the author who wrote Light is a New Black. I was at one of her events and she, she'd known me from, you know, um, coming to things and, you know, she'd always like a few times, you know, when I had books signed and in this room, she basically shoved a microphone in my face when I wasn't wanting a microphone shoved Ooh. in my face and said, um, let's hear what Hannah has to say. What do you, what do you want to share? Like, it, I can't even remember what's rising in you or something. It was a question. Obviously there were lots of takers who wanted to participate. And I was like, oh my fucking God, I really don't want to talk in this room today. I'd actually been going through the worst breakup of my life as well. It was like, you know, when you want to hide and then like there's a hundred people in a room looking at you. And I just like kind of said, oh, I, you know, I want to write a book, but it was along the lines of, you know, but I don't think I'm kind of good enough or, it's, you know, I don't know, but I want to do it. And she basically was like, you need to do this. And that was a real turning point for me because I knew that it was like almost like the universe saying, okay, you haven't listened. We've been trying to tell you. So now we're going to like kind of <laughs> out you. <laughs> So from that point, I knew that I had to do it, which led me to go to like the Hay House Writers Workshop. And ironically, then six months later, I bumped into Rebecca somewhere. My mum was like, oh, there's a lady coming towards you. You need to, uh, you know, who is this? And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to ask me what I'm doing about this whole writing and all this thing. So I, I'm going to hide and I couldn't hide. And she was like, how's it going? And I was like, oh. but I think from that point, I realized um, I realized that I needed to drop the shame story. And you and I both know it's, it's, it's layers and layers of stories were made up of and I needed to stop that. But it was, it was deep. It was so deeply ingrained in me. Even back from pre-even law of attraction, like the, there was something that I had done wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I believe fundamentally that I'd done something wrong. Or like there must be some 
you know, I must, there must be something that I'd done in order to, and, and I don't mean like, honest, like just in this whole world of things, you know, and so undoing that story was a big, big part of me stepping, basically stepping out into the light, stepping out and, you know, doing that writer's workshop and then realizing when I went through and actually submitted something, when they came back to me and said, yeah, like, you know, I didn't, I never intended to win, shall we say, I intended to actually get some confidence for someone to say, you can do this. And when they said that, I was like, okay, now, now I need to, to get out there, get a blog, start building, uh, you know, eventually do a podcast. Um, and actually our mutual friend, Emma, Emma and I actually, I was sat in front of Emma at the writer's workshop. That's actually how we met. Yeah. So we didn't actually speak then. This is so funny. Like we always laugh about this. We didn't really speak for six months. We kind of, just ended up talking one day and then within a day we became friends basically and that was it um from there the rest is history from there um and yeah so I think in that case I realized that around me people were starting to take me seriously and I knew I had to keep dropping so you know now I don't really feel you know I guess in my shadow, there's always going to be some who doesn't have a fucking shadow, let's be face it. But in reality, I would be more than happy to get up on a stage in front of any number of people and share my truth and hope that there are many fucking people in that room who probably sat there, who have felt the same, who have not maybe my story, but have stories that are similar to that and have thought patterns. And that if someone is saying, no, 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 this, 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 this can be different. And you can free yourself from this, break those chains, break those bonds. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not bad, you know? Um, and you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm in that position now moving towards that space. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we were talking kind of about the soul contract aspect. And when you really think about that in um, terms of your story, would you even be able to do the work that you're doing had it not been for this experience? So it's like, even though it's put you through the ringer, it's like, I find that our most traumatic experiences, they have a purpose. And ultimately, once we get past them, we can really transmute that trauma through that purpose. Mm. Because now you know, look, you're doing this amazing work. You're helping to support people. You're this beautiful light out into the world. That's a contributor of the light. And you have to kind of look back. I do at least when I think about my own story and think, you know, it was really horrible at the time, but I'm really thankful for it because what I can't even imagine my life outside of that now, because it's brought me to this place. So no, definitely. Um, and obviously, um, you know, there are still many daily physical challenges that I live with and obviously all the barriers around disability and mm-hmm. all those things that, you know, are as as I guess like very real things outside of spirituality that, you know, are, you know, exist. Um, but you know, and obviously there's always gonna be that little voice. There's there's I guess there's the inner child in me that's like, can I just go back to that moment, that sliding door moment at 16 and like press the button that this isn't gonna happen? But then you're right, like uh, you know, it would have been a very a very different different path, I'm sure. And you know, I learned a lot along the way. You know, the, the crazy thing is I was actually ironically 
already into spirituality when this happened to me. So around the age of 12, I decided I was going to be a yogi. I, I got into like, you know, crystals, tantra. It's really bizarre. Like I was just this weird person. But I mean, thankfully, all my friends were really supportive of their weird friend. Um, so I'm I'm grateful. Obviously, I had that to support me along the way. But obviously, as you can imagine, that experience did spiritually crack me open. So I always tried to remind myself throughout that entire throughout in the experience that I always made sure that beyond what was happening to me, I was having that spiritual experience. And I separated the two so they didn't merge. And I think that was a really important part that I recognized that the spiritual cracking open. Yes, they were there was there was an integrated part between the two, but beyond the the labels of whatever was happening to me I was this this spiritual being or whatever however you know I I there was more than the labels of this ill person and I believe that saved me you know and and I think having those things that gave me hope and it was it was weird at the time because you can imagine transitioning into an adult 20 years ago this was not this it was still very niche um you know, I remember my sister used to work for Waterstones, which here in the UK is a big uh, bookshops. Um, and she she used to buy me the books, obviously, because she get a really good discount. And I was known as her weird sister, not as the ill person, as the weird sister that used to buy the angel books. And, you know, so it, it's weird how that there were like there were people that viewed me as the ill person and then people that viewed me as the weird person. Um and luckily I've got friends who just viewed me as Hannah and I'm you know what like the one thing and I would say this for, for any of us on whatever path we're on it's it's the people right um and you would know this especially because I know you had difficulty with who you were probably mixing with not aiding you but when you get good people that are nothing to necessarily do they like you for you beyond your labels beyond everything that saved my life mm-hmm. that that kept me anchored that I could just have those kind of, you know, normal conversations, silly things and laughter that that kept me anchored. So I was always able to come back to that. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, I think it's so important. You know, I know a lot of the time um, and if there is anybody who's listening who is chronically ill, they will be able to relate. A lot of people I know within that world lost all their friends Um have you know very small worlds um content and and I can see that it's really hard so I've never taken for granted um you know and always been grateful that I've had a world beyond what's been happening to me um you know and I'm thankful for that every day yeah and I think community is just so important regardless of like what the trauma is you're trying Mm -hmm. to cope with or what you're um, situation is I think when we kind of have that village um, that community behind us it does really help to hold us why we might be struggling to hold ourselves sometimes and oh sometimes. my god absolutely and just I can't describe the simple things of just having people that will come and pick you up you know and take me for a coffee take me you know and also the fact that they knew that I couldn't always do the things that I would have necessarily wanted to do with them. But they were like, OK, you know, we'll adapt this or that I could turn up at things, stay for an hour or two and then leave. Like, I think it's fundamental to have good community. And also, 
to have diversity within that community. I know you get, you know, I see this regularly all the time, you know, like up level the people you're around, you know, and all this stuff. But what I would say is this diversity, uh, you know, is bigger. Diversity with love is bigger than everything. And I'm glad there are people in my life who are so vastly different to me on totally different paths, but we can meet, we can connect and we can share love. We can share laughter mm-hmm. and appreciate both where we're at and encourage each other as well. You know, like I don't, I agree. We need to have people who, you know, like me and Emma are on like, you know, real like similar paths and, you know, you know, cheer for each other on that level. But both of us have friends outside of these things that are like real regular normal people and um, definitely for me that's I know for some people they need to be in all the vibe of the same to expand whatever but I for me diversity is key yeah I think it's important it's so funny because you know my fiance is not spiritual in the least and I think that surprises people but I think it comes down to the energy not the ideology ideology of it it's is someone like you said are they offering love is there mutual respect between the two of you and I think those are the things that matter way more than two people agreeing on the same ideas about how things are you know so much and also the fact is that I think there are people that help us stay grounded as well one of my like friends who I've been friends with since I was 13 she is the most amazing grounded beautiful human who has who will at the drop of a hat come and you know like we are so vastly different in every aspect of our life our experiences but she has been that that anchor and that support and it's we've 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 grown with each other still but just in very different ways and I think it's really important that even if you think oh my god these people are different like we're so different now like remember there is joy in the differences between us and if we were all the same that wouldn't be great either. And I think as well, it's interesting going back to that question, what you said about, um, you know, the, the almost like the perfect healing. If, if you've not fixed yourself, there's like something wrong. Mm-hmm. I think my, my greatest revelation was that it's within our differences um, that the, where the magic is. And I think also waking up to the fact that in some way, everybody's got some problems yeah. <laughs> let's face it Kelly when we when it comes down to it everyone's got a story some people are just better at hide you and I you know it's been like an outwardly messy journey in our own ways where probably are you know because I think along the way when you go through very intense stuff and I know this personally that sometimes our out behaviors can occasionally be destructive because mm-hmm. it's coping I know for me sometimes I would react in certain ways because it felt almost like the only thing I could control mm-hmm. was the reaction yeah. because there was nothing else I could and I think when you can meet yourself with that that's when actually you can reel yourself back in and see what's going on and and, and take control in a different way but it's it's almost where we feel safe to do really weird things sometimes and you know it's learning to be kind to yourself but I believe that most people have a little bit of bit of this in them but it's just they're better at hiding it 
than some people. I agree. And, you know, for most of my life, you know, I was one of those people that to some degree was hiding it. Now, anyone who looked at me could see the quality of my life at that time and say, like, she's obviously acting from a very wounded space. But it's funny, I have a friend of mine who I've known for almost maybe even longer than 10 years now, or around that time reading my book and she's she wrote me she's like Kelly she's like this really goes to show that we never really know someone's experience like you know someone all this time and it's because I never talked about it and so I think it is true I think underneath it all we all have our story right we all have our experience with trauma I don't think any of us really get out unscathed because we all have these lessons that we need to learn from these painful experiences, I think. Definitely. And I think it's shame as well, right? Like a lot of the time we don't want to share the darkest stuff because we're scared of how people are going to react to us or how people are going to judge us. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think this is where it comes from. Like shame is such a crazy thing that has power over really and this as we know is in all aspects of society you know we from from every area isn't it It, it's it's a powerful thing that has a hold on people Mm -hmm. it definitely has a lot of fear that fear of being judged and then Mm -hmm. the shame that comes when we feel like we've been judged and I think sometimes if you're not in that really grounded space it can make you begin to wonder and if or if you don't really have the self-awareness and that's where the shame comes from because we start listening to all these labels or all these things that people are saying and we don't have the knowledge of ourself yet to say no that's absolutely not true and it it can you know multiply or increase that feeling I feel like and people are going to judge us anyway right so always <laughs> always and I think it's really coming to terms with that is uh is is a great finding grace moment essentially because <laughs> you know you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't most of the time so at least if you're going to do do it at least the thing you want to be doing and (laughs) let them let them eat cake let people judge you and just make sure you're doing it well so the judgment is great for them you know yeah so what advice could you give to someone who's maybe having a hard time to help them move through it with grace or even some things to help themselves soothe through the uncomfortable situation that they're in or the pain they're in well aside from obviously you know aside from learning things such as um meditation and those things they're great but i also think it's a case of of you know tackling things um head heads on um getting clear on what's really going on for you and what you're really feeling Mm -hmm. and being brave enough to find a safe space professionally or friend wise to actually share that share what's underneath it and find a way that's going to work for you yes you can take advice from the outside but I would say to anybody who's going through this there are going to be elements of you that will struggle to I I, you know I can't think clearly I can't make a decision there is an inner voice inside of all of us that will always have um, some guidance for us to to learn to listen to that even if it's a tiny quiet quiet thing because that can be the guiding light to begin you to go on the right path and you know what facing the fact that it's not necessarily going to be a linear process and actually when you make peace with those things around it whatever follows after 
is always going to be a bit easier because you're going to be able to apply kindness to yourself. You're going to be able to give yourself that grace and also recognize that sometimes things are going to work and sometimes things are not going to work. Don't beat yourself up over that. That would be my best advice. Not beating yourself up if something you're doing isn't going your way. Take away right or wrong. Okay, this isn't working. What? How am I feeling? What can I do to move forward here? Mm -hmm. And how can I support myself through that? Secondary to that, you can do the things such as learning to meditate. You know, it's cliche. I will say that I'm never going to lie about that. But it was, you know, finding a way to be able to find peace. And that could be meditation. It could be breath. It could be sat just listening to music for 10 minutes. But here's the best advice. And I've, you know, I've given this to many people. Put a timer on for 10 minutes. In that 10 minutes, even if you're just sat there twiddling your thumbs initially, sat there listening to some music, sat there, but, but having that 10 minutes of just bringing it back to yourself, shutting out the outside noise, something will change over time if you commit to that for sure. Mm-hmm. On, a, on a physical level, my advice would be make sure that you are supporting your physical body in the ways that you're able to. And again, it's listening to yourself. Also, finding that balance between pushing yourself and um, not overdoing it because it's it's the, the very fine line between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it comes down to listening to that inner voice because I pushed myself, not beca- because I wasn't listening to myself. But yeah, making sure that you support your physical body as well with, you know, it, it's like I, I always look at everything like a mind, body, soul thing, right? We, we almost need to divide those three things up. And my advice is separate those three things and look at each component mm-hmm. and also small, small steps. If you know you're not somebody like, I'm pretty good at sticking to things that probably stems from the child that got up at six o'clock every morning to practice her piano, you know, that was by choice. I was very much like into that. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite good at sticking to things. I know some people are not, and it doesn't matter what, you know, that's how they're wired. If you're not making those small changes, making small increments, do what you know you can manage if someone's saying oh you need to do this for half an hour but deep down you're like I can probably only manage 10 minutes only do 10 minutes if someone's like you know you need to try this this and this take one of those things commit to those things on a small level over time it will make a difference and also I know you'll be a big fan of this let's face it Kelly forgiveness Mm -hmm. constantly meeting yourself with forgiveness because that is the only way as far as I'm concerned because you know if we can't forgive ourselves we'll never be able to forgive others and we're always going to need that tool doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what what you're faced with in life there's going to be areas of our life where we're going to need that that particular tool I absolutely agree pretty much with every single thing you just said. I think it's all great. And I think what you said about taking those smaller steps if you need to is so key because I think sometimes what happens is, you know, initially we get that really great excitement and then we try to make so many commitments and so many changes. Like I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes. I'm going to exercise for 45 minutes. I'm going to eat this way all these drastic changes. And in a lot of ways, I think that will set us up for failure because it's too much at once. It's too much of a change. It's taking those small little steps, Mm -hmm. attainable steps and building your way up to these larger goals that you hold. So I think that is just hitting the nail on the head as well and not feeling pressured 
or comparison, you know, comparing yourself to what other people are doing and feeling like I need to be at this point because, you know, that's where they are. And this is what everyone's doing. And this is what everyone's saying. And really our journey is about us, right? So what anyone else is doing, it doesn't matter. The best advice I always give anyone is get hydrated. If the one small thing you're going to start with, drink good water and just mm-hmm. keep yourself hydrated to begin with. Breathe and hydrate. Once you've got those two intact, <laughs> you've got you've got a place to begin with because, um, you know, it, it's like, you know, we're like a plant and we need watering. So making sure there's a level of hydration is going to be helpful. You know, whatever's going on as far as I'm concerned and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's setting up those small things. And I think it's, you know, what you said about seeing up from the outside, I definitely had comparatonitis on a huge scale. Um, when in, a, in those earlier years, because I was looking at how much I was failing at being a human, basically, because, you know, all my friends were doing the normal things, and I could barely, I couldn't half the time get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah so it and it was only when I stopped comparing and setting the barriers that I was putting up for myself boundaries like I was putting myself in these positions that no one else was telling me to do but I was comparing myself to the point that I was causing myself pain I was causing myself trauma so it's just stripping it back and and I honestly think that people would succeed if they come back to themselves and ask themselves what they really want and if you're like I really don't want to meditate or I really don't want to do this what do you want to do Mm-hmm. It may be that you need to just dance around a room, commit to that for 10 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like my mum swears by her daily walk, you know, and it, it's finding those things that are going to work for you. And when we create that momentum, my friend and I the other day likened it to musical scores. And if you think about some of the greatest composers on, on the planet that have you know their legacy still lasts through now hundreds of years later they were using melodies and rhythms and putting them all together to make them work they were making those things dance to their own rhythm and that comes to us we have to learn to dance to our own rhythm Mm -hmm. what's your rhythm find your pace find what's in harmony for you and even if it's like vastly different to what apparently you're meant to be doing then so be it fucking do it because Mm. you might find that that might actually really help your life and it might change your life too all wonderful advice and I want to thank you so much for sharing this for sharing your story and for being here today um before you go could you tell my listeners where they can maybe find out more about your work okay so you can find me at www.hannah-wallace.com um there is the blog the podcast um through those spaces you can find it all mm-hmm. um obviously my podcast is on all the regular platforms I also have another podcast and my dear friend Emma actually the great thing about this is we've um we've brought some humor and goodness to <laughs> life and it's called the Bullshat Eye podcast and you can find that on all major podcast platforms as well so that's that oh and instagram at the hannah wallace and i do have a facebook page as well hannah wallace um so yeah watch this space for things to come in the past and reach out to me if you want to connect with me work with me listen to my stuff and yeah share with me um because I'm always open as you know Kelly we like to discuss you know I'm always open to to learn and discuss things too so yeah it's very funny 
And I, of course, will have all the information for the links you mentioned in the information box to make it really easy for people to find you. So again, thank you so much. So I want to thank you so much for joining me here today for this conversation with Hannah. I so hope that you've enjoyed this. You can find more information about Hannah, including a link to learn more about her work in the information box below. So whatever you're up to today, I hope you're having a wonderful day. And as always, I'm sending out so much love to each and every one of you.